Hi, it's Sarah Kaplan. This limited series podcast is from GATE Audio. GATE stands for the Institute for Gender and the Economy at the University of Toronto's Rotman School of Management, and I'm GATE's director. Our goal is to engage current and future leaders in rich conversations around inequities in our society and how we might address them. In this podcast series, one of GATE's MBA fellows, Nargis Premji, explores the different ways that people cover and uncover their identities at work. Through research, interviews, first-hand accounts, and rich storytelling, Nargis ventures into the world of covering, why it happens, and what employers can do to make workplaces more inclusive. You'll be moved and inspired by her deeply personal take on the issues, as was I. So up next, listen to what Nargis has to say. Welcome to Covering in the Workplace, a podcast from the Institute of Gender and the Economy, or GATE. I'm Nargis Premji. In each episode, I will be interviewing one individual on how they have covered in the workplace, or perhaps never felt the need to do so. Today, we will be speaking to Sean Robertson. Sean currently works for a consulting firm that specializes in solving challenges at the C-suite level. Born in Canada and raised in the United States, Sean's family was agnostic. However, his story about covering is with regards to his conversion to Islam. Thank you for being with us today, Sean. I'm sure our listeners are very curious to hear about your story of uncovering your religion in the workplace. Yeah, so so my story of covering uh, is uh, about a year and a half ago, uh, I converted to Islam. Uh, I was not really a religious person per se um, through most of my life. We grew up in the States. My parents were uh, agnostic. We never, you know, went to a church, although we were surrounded in mm-hmm. where we lived by religion and mostly, you know, predominantly Christianity and Catholicism. Um, it was never a part of my life. Uh, when I returned uh, to Canada for school and met the woman who became my wife, I was exposed to Islam because she's Muslim. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I it, we had been together for quite a while and it was clear that to you know, to progress and to get married, I would need to convert. Mm-hmm. And so I was open to that. For, I knew about it for a long time, but, mm-hmm. you know, it was only in the past five years or so that I seriously uh, began to study the Quran. So, so obviously the covering aspect is, is in religion, mm-hmm. uh, if I didn't say it before. Um, but, uh, but studying the Quran and I was fortunate enough to uh, have people from her family come and, you know, take me to the mosque for the first time and, you know, show me how to pray um, you know, what what the aspects and the pillars of Islam are and what, what they mean. Uh, and just to, you know, give me um, a smooth on-ramp into, into the faith instead of, you know, having me, you know, climb the stairs myself. Very cool. That's a very fascinating story. And so tell me a little bit about how you told people about your decision and how did it differ from, say, say telling colleagues versus your friends or family? Yeah, so I think at the time, I mean, I have, I'm fortunate enough to have a very uh, close and trusting and mindful and, um, you know, really deep uh, group of friends, like a small group, but a tight group of friends. And so always able to be open about really anything with them. And so was was kind of hashing my feelings and my thoughts out with them as I went on. Uh, so, so I guess from the beginning, even as the process was kind of unfolding, and my education was continuing, I was able to be, I felt safe in opening and being open about it with them. Uh, at the time I was working with a small company, there were only three of us. 
Uh, and I think that, you know, the nature of my openness with my friends made me kind of like comfortable in saying like, oh, like I'm, it's Friday, I'm going to the mosque. Mm -hmm. Like I'm taking a chunk of time away from work and I'll be, I'll be gone. And sometimes I'll pray at my desk and, you know, it's, it just is what it is. Like I, mm -hmm. I didn't, I guess I chose not to specifically hide it. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but also, I mean, I'm, I'm very cognizant of the fact that I'm, you know, a Canadian born mm -hmm. white male person who, you know, speaks mm -hmm. local dot, like not only the, the English language, but you know, my accent is local. Yeah. So people don't look at me and say, ah, this guy is, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't have any reason to, to make a prejudgment on this person based on the dominance yeah. of the society. Yeah. And so, but so kind of when I say, oh, I'm, I'm Muslim, it surprises people, mm -hmm. you know, but there, it's kind of, you know, people don't see me and, and fit me into their prejudgments and their conceptions and their yeah. whatever misinformation they've had coming to. Right. And so it's interesting to kind of mm -hmm. have the, have that piece pulled back and have them, you know, understand, Oh, this person who I've been talking to and has known yeah. is act doesn't fit into that bucket mm -hmm. of preconceptions that I had about right. this group of people or this religion before. Absolutely. And so you would say it's been easier for you as a straight white man, a Canadian man. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I think that definitely, I mean, the thing that I always joke about with my wife is that, you know, when we, when we were setting up our marriage, you know, there was no culture per se, no deeply ingrained culture of mine that we had to reconcile with hers. Right. hers could, it could like just be that and, and it was yeah. fine. And, and yeah. it was, you know, I've had a lot of friends get married recently who is like a, a relatively observant Jew and a relatively observant Catholic. Mm -hmm. And they have to, you know, navigate this with their families right. and there's inevitable yeah. tensions and conflict. And mm -hmm. none, I, I've been fortunate enough as a straight white <laughs> man with no kind of deeply yeah. ingrained culture to to overcome or to reconcile so which one would be which one was easier was it easier to tell uh people in your workplace or was it easier to tell people you know your friends and family uh easier to tell i, I would say definitely friends family was I mean so so it's it's interesting I think I, I'm com I've been completely open with my friends about it we've been like I've, I've been out in the woods with them and I'm like okay it's you know, it's time for prayer and they're like right. oh interesting like can we can we watch you or can, can we, we like participate you? and it's like I mean if you like I'll speak loudly and I'll give the cues if you want to you right. know join me but you know I'll, I'll just be doing what I'm doing I don't I, I don't really have a mm -hmm. you know I don't have the ijtihad to, to know like is it Mm -hmm. good or bad to, mm -hmm. you know, give people the tools for Salat if they don't believe. I, I don't really know. Right, right. But, you know, I, I've been very open about that. I, I still, I guess there's still an aspect of potentially covering to my parents because, you know, when it's time for prayer, mm -hmm. I just kind of disappear and go do it. Mm. I'm not like, okay, sorry guys, I got to go and do this now. <laughs> Right. You know, and, yeah. and you know, obviously during Ramadan, when when I'm fasting, it's yeah. it's very obvious, and like you know, they'll sometimes you know wait to have dinner until you know the Canadian summer goes until nine nine p.m. in the in the depth of the summer. Yeah. So you know, they'll wait, and it's very nice, and we break the fast together. <laughs> it's very um, nice of them. <laughs> it is, you know, but but um, at work, um, definitely, you know not as easy as with friends. Like I, I think with friends, there is that deep trust mm -hmm. and there has been for a long time. And I've, I've been fortunate to have that mm -hmm. with work. I, I don't think I, I don't intentionally conceal it, but I also, you know, I, I don't 
leave a meeting to go pray, but I will, you know, structure my schedule around, okay, it's Friday. Mm-hmm. You know, the mosque has 11, 12, 1, and 2. Mm-hmm. I look at my meetings. I'll, I'll move a meeting around to make sure I get there. Okay. Right? And I, and I, I won't, you know. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't yet canceled the meeting saying, sorry, I have to go to the mosque. Right. But, you know. Yeah. Make it work. Yeah. So tell me about their first reaction, uh, say, say specifically in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, what was their first reaction like? Uh, so I think the first reaction in the workplace was I told, well, I mean, I mean, it was really in the interview process, I think, is where it began. Okay. But, yeah. but I mean, my, I think the question that the person who was interviewing me asked, and it was, you know, he's a very probing kind of person, but he said, you know, what are you reading right now? And I was like, oh, uh. I'm, I'm currently, you know, reading the Quran. And he's like, interesting. Have you, mm-hmm. you know, have you read a lot of it? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much all the way through a couple times, but I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm often reading it and the meanings you know, unfold and change as you, mm-hmm. each time you read. So I'm doing that. And he was like, okay, cool. You know, he didn't directly, ask, I guess he, you know, I think he's a younger person than me, didn't directly ask me like, so are you Muslim? Mm-hmm. And that didn't really, you know, come out in that interview. Mm-hmm. But when I went and spoke to the, the person who is our head of HR and was like, you know, every Friday I'll be out of the office for about an hour or an hour and a half and I hope that's okay and yeah. She's like, yeah of course like you know I think that I'm fortunate to work at a company that has a good um, not only like a multi-faith <clears throat> um, community inside of its walls but also you know has a deep respect for family and for you know like the rights of people mm-hmm. and right things being the right way in general so I think that that you know they're like yeah you just make up an hour somewhere it's not right. a big deal <clears throat> and in my limited sample set n equals one yeah <laughs> uh, I, I would say that you know whether it's work in work the first experience was positive it was like yes of course like we'll definitely accommodate uh obviously mm-hmm. and i was like okay great i mean I, now i am very comfortable you know just putting on my stuff and just disappearing mm-hmm. on friday for an hour or two it's right. not a big deal yeah um but even with friends you know, pe- people who I think, again, very fortunate and just calling out very accepting friends and very like, t- like interested and in to like to learn and to understand and to talk through and to, because it was something that was new for them too. They, they, you know, yeah, yeah. I don't think any of them uh, had visibly or otherwise Muslim friends in school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was also new and interesting for them too. But in both those cases, that kind of that for, I think I would, I would say that that resonates with me, that that first reaction mm-hmm. kind of sets the tone for yeah. the future. Yeah. And I mean, even even the situation that we're in right now, I mean, I, I read your thing on, uh, I guess it was LinkedIn, and I was like, this sounds interesting. I, I think I have, you know, I just to maybe give someone else the opportunity to kind of see themselves in my experience and share that and just like, you know, yeah. on a whim, reached out and yeah. boom, it, it, without <laughs> a second thought. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so as a say a relatively newer person to Islam. Mm-hmm. Um, how has that education process been? Because I know a lot of people would have had questions uh, at work specifically, you know, when you uh, reverted to Islam. So how have you dealt with those questions? And So, so, so I think that there's two questions in there and I'll try and unpack them a little bit. Um, so, so I think the first one was, how was my education uh, about Islam in the beginning and how, and how has, have people reacted at work my, my education yeah. uh as an as a new muslim has been you know i, I began obviously with because i'm not being able to read arabic in the beginning oh, yeah. i i yeah. <laughs> you know, read uh, like I, I acquired there was a very um a terrific 
um, resource. It's called the Study Quran mm-hmm. by a number of like very like preeminent scholars on Islam and on you know and and, and, and like a new translation and everything with lots of commentary and tons of tons of notes about you know any given verse. And so using okay. that to kind of like come to the Quran for mm-hmm. the first time in English and, you know, having questions, a lot of that, you know, mm-hmm. was clarified in the notes and, you know, give you opportunities to also, you know, use the Internet or talk to the people. And, I, you know, I would take pictures of the commentary or, you know, whatever and share it with my now father-in-law and kind of like ask questions like, what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I, I felt very, you know, I, I, I kind of imagine you know, 10, 15, 100 years ago, people, can, English speakers converting to Islam uh, without that kind of resource mm-hmm. and having to, you know, like do the practices of the faith without having Arabic with which to read the Quran mm-hmm. and, you know, having to kind of absorb, you know, as if by uh, like osmosis from people around them. So I imagine it was very, di- I, I found it, I never lacked for a resource to learn and when I had a question I could always you know look something up on mm-hmm. on the internet whether it's the sunnah or mm-hmm. you know whatever it, mm-hmm. it was I would say it was easy to educate myself I had the things I needed yeah um, so regarding educating uh, colleagues and friends I mean I think um, you know a lot of the education is people have what they they, they've absorbed what they know, what they think they know, or what, what they, have, they conceive mm-hmm. through the things they see, whether it's media, so television, the news, mm-hmm. um, especially news around like conflicts and things like that. And, you know, that they're like, I, I mean, this isn't meant to be, I don't think, a political thing specifically, but, you know, there, I think there is a lot of um, politics that is layered over the way that Muslims are, and, and Islam in general is portrayed in the West. Uh, and, you know, people absorb that. Mm-hmm. And so kind of, you know, I think what you said is people, their, their reaction is, oh, interesting. I, I wouldn't have thought that, it, that you would be Muslim because you, you have a white name. Like my name is Sean Robertson. Mm-hmm. People often change their name when they revert. Uh, and, and I guess, I mean, that, that is a, a separate question of itself. Um, but their, their, their confusion, they're like, I, like, oh, it's, it's interesting. Like, how did that happen? Um, you know, what are, so, so, oh, so like Ramadan, like, so even water, like yeah. you, you fast from everything, even water, like, like wow, so many memes. that must be hard. Right. You know, like it literally like all the memes are, they, yeah. you know, there's truth in memes, yeah. and it, which is kind of funny. Right. Yeah. So is it stressful to educate people? I, I think, you know, I, I guess I look at it, you know, from, from what we are, what we are taught is that, yeah. you know, it's, it's, I, I kind of, I view it myself as an honor and a privilege to to share with people, you know, the aspects of my faith yeah. and to educate people and to, and to, you know, you know, God forgive me if I tell them something that is wrong or that I have misunderstood, mm-hmm. but to give them my understanding of something and, and to, to, you know, set the ship right in their mind of what their perceptions and their, mm-hmm. and their, you know, prejudices are and be like, ah, actually it is this way. Yeah. Uh, and I think, um, I had a colleague just the other day say to me like, oh, I, I really like to, you know, sit down with you sometime and. And just like learn from you because I mean I, I know a lot about Buddhism and about mm-hmm. Christianity and about all these other things. I don't know a lot about Islam, and I'd, I'd like to to hear from you. And I, I was like, like I'm honored to. Yeah. I would be it would be a great honor to to sit with you and to share what I know because yeah. because it is you know we are we're not meant to mm-hmm. proselytize, mm-hmm. but if someone asks us, it's it yeah. is our duty to share. Yep, I think absolutely. is the way that I view it. Okay, and what would you say was the 
inner process that allowed you to reach this level of comfort with your religion being such a strong part of your identity and bringing that to work? I think, so what is the inner process that makes me comfortable with sharing who I am? Okay. Uh, I think, um, so so the thing that I think that, and and I, I mentioned before that religion wasn't really a part of my life earlier on and, and my parents were agnostic and all these things but I always I, I always viewed myself as someone you know who ascribed to certain values things like truth um, you know justice doing the right thing um, people are equal people when someone is is struggling you should help them if you can when you are struggling you should ask for help like being humble all of these and, and as I as I educated myself about Islam and, and, you know, my, as my faith grew, um, what the thing that I think made that really easy kind of in the first place was that those values are, you know, core important values within Islam. Mm -hmm. So it was like, Oh, there is a direct overlap between the values that I have always had and and the values that are in this faith that I'm learning about. There is a, a very there there always has been a you know a, a vertical integration between what I what I learned through my life and the kind of values that got to be through mm-hmm. my life and, and the values of my new faith mm-hmm. and it was just like this is just me you know it's it's important and, and these are values that I think that help you know whether it's society or the world become better or you know correct injustices I think that those things are important and because I am aligned to those values that it's like, oh, this is the right thing to do. There, there isn't really another option right. to like it, like there isn't, you know, it, it's, I should share, I should, um, all, all of those things. So tell me a little bit about, uh, your first job. Uh, you mentioned that in your first job, uh, you were, you were not Muslim and then you got engaged and then you, were you converted <laughs> so yeah. so what was that transition like within that first job yeah so, so so in the in the job where I first began to really like properly learn about Islam and to um, you know I, I was um, so a very small company only three people um, but you know pretty intense and personally important work um, my grandfather had just passed away and so I was kind of you know there are many things happening at once, mm-hmm. uh, but but I, I think it. I'm trying to recall when I had actually begun to you know read the Quran. Uh, it was probably about two and a half years ago, mm-hmm. which is when I was in this job, um, and I as I was learning, and this was around the time when I first I think you know I was revealed as like hey I exist to my now wife's parents some some people in your family had known about me for a long time but some did not okay. and so it was kind of like the big reveal and like yeah, okay and yeah. it's like okay well we better make sure that he converts before he marries her like because that's important obviously yeah, yeah. um and so that that was kind of the the, yeah. the nudge but so so um so kind of as that job moved and i was actually on the road a lot so i was reading the quran on the road and, and kind of you know educating myself about the faith um but i mean so, I mean, I, I had a prayer mat with me as I was on the road and I was, you know, I, I first learned with her family, like they took me to the mosque for the first time, showed me how to pray. And so I kind of had, and like gave me, you know, a booklet that showed, that said, here are the things that you say, here are the motions, here's how you do it. You know, here's how to tell the times that you're supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was kind of like beginning to incorporate that into my life and, you know, waking up early to pray, whatever, you know, like 
mm-hmm. doing voodoo. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I think, again, again, again I didn't really so, so there were times when I was back at home office and times when I was on the road when I was at home office I, I would you know I would go and I would do my voodoo and I would pray at my desk and no one really I mean of the other two people who are my colleagues no one questioned me about it because they were often out of the office too so I was just like I would just do it and then on Fridays like they'd be trying to reach me and I'd be like sorry I'm going to the mosque like oh. you won't be able to reach me okay and so so they they, they knew I didn't you yeah. know consciously hide it from them um, but, but I think that it, it was interesting because I remember there was a, there was a point when, so, so fast forward from that point in time, a, a little while, um, the, there, there was a week when my, when my now wife's family came over because it was time to do the engagement. Mm-hmm. So until that point I hadn't officially like reverted and actually spoken uh, the words like, you know, in, in yeah. a mosque with witnesses, la, 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 la. Yeah. Um, and so they came over and there was this week of time where there was, you know, dinners and, you know, my family meets their family yeah. for the first time, all these things and, and work was kind of getting in the way. I see. Okay. Like it was making it like, I, I think I was doing like three hour, you know, commute out to Hamilton, Ontario or, you know, further and then back at night. And then at nighttime at like 630, it's like, okay, this is the time to go to the mosque and the imam will be ready and you'll, and you'll do it. Mm-hmm. So it was like really, really stressful like, that there was yeah. this kind of, you know, con- and, I, and I, you know, I, I didn't at that point, I think feel, I couldn't really in that situation stand up for myself and say like, no, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to go out into the field mm-hmm. because this is important to me. And, and I, you know, my dynamic with my boss at the time, he was a, a pretty like uh, overbearing person and very controlling. So, mm-hmm. you know, couldn't, I, I didn't feel comfortable standing up for myself and then like kind of staking out yeah. that time. Yeah. But, you know, we got it done. We did the dinners. We did the, we did the reversion. Mm-hmm. Uh, my family was there, which was wonderful. Uh, and so, so that, I mean, then at that point I was like officially Muslim yeah. and then I was only at that company for another, you know, couple of months because, you know, being away and on the road and all these things was, was very, very taxing and difficult, yeah. especially, you know, newly engaged, you know, but just being, it separated me from family and community. Like I, there were no mosques where I was going. So in this period of transition, it was like I had been regularly going to the mosque in Toronto and then I was out away. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, praying in the car, you know, on three hour drives, like trying to pray while driving, you know, not facing the right direction. Mm-hmm. So it, it was, I mean, that was definitely, uh, I would say a challenging time to be going through the process of solidifying my faith and kind of incorporating from a non, you know, non-practicing to fully practicing mm. w- within that situation. So that, that, that was yeah. tough. Yeah. And did your workplace and your boss, they knew that this was happening in your life? Yeah, I think I was okay, open about it. And, and, you know, yeah. my, my boss was, so I think the thing that you mentioned was like the kind of like trying to negotiate and, and it's like, actually, some of these things are non-negotiable. This is not a thing where, mm-hmm. you know, I will compromise who I am to serve my professional needs. Right. And that, that conflict and those words never came up and were never surfaced and spoken between us. Mm-hmm. But there was there was that tension that, you know, it was, you know, some, someone who did not have either did not have faith or did not have a strong faith or understood a strong faith trying to kind of, you know, you, you know, uh, dampen and mute and, and put in a box and kind of like, great, that's all fine that you have that. Fine, sure. But it can't affect work. And it was kind of mm-hmm. like. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Like, like interesting is in broken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you, you shared some of the challenges in the story, uh, about 
you know, being vocal about uh, religion in this workplace. Mm. Um, are there other challenges, professional challenges you faced uh, in the second workplace as well? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's a good question. And, and I think I'll go back to, so, so did I face challenges in, in the workplace after that workplace that I described where it was very difficult? Um, and, and I'll go back and I always, you know, I, I'm very conscious of the fact that I am like, you know, a, a heterosexual white male who speaks good in, like English well and and who, you know, understands the value system from which a lot of these people are coming from because it was the one I was raised in. Mm-hmm. Like all of that is is like a, a mountain of privilege versus someone who has, you know, come to a, a Western community from a from a Muslim majority community and from having it all through their life. And, you know, I can but but I think that, you know, I and again my my name is is not a obviously Muslim name, in fact, quite the opposite. Uh, And people, you know, potentially because of the fact that I am a heterosexual white male with a white name, they don't, they either don't suspect or even if they know, they don't, you know, that it it isn't, it isn't obvious and it doesn't, you know, people are fairly visually driven. It doesn't come and, and, you know, I have light skin. They they don't look at me and and their, their prejudices are called to mind. I'm just another white guy at work. And, and that those, those things aren't Mm -hmm. conflated like that, that their idea of Islam and Muslims is not conflated with the idea of this is Sean, the person that I work with. Right. You know, so it's, it, it feels like I've, I haven't faced essentially no challenges at work mm-hmm. um, you know when, when I went to go get married was also what they were like okay like I, I was very open when I was interviewing I'm like I'm gonna I'm leaving for two weeks uh, for to go and get married and you know I know I only get two weeks of vacation but you know can I get some more and they're like yeah of course like you can have some vacation to go and this is important da 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 mm-hmm. um and so, and, and obviously, you know, all the details around that of where it was and, you know, what kind of wedding it was and, and coming back and sharing that story is like, oh, like five days of events because it's a big deal and yeah. there's lots of community and all yeah. these things, right? So, you know, very open and honest about it. And, and mm-hmm. but they were highly accommodating, you know, very, mm-hmm. you know, like fr- curious in a friendly way and, yeah. you know, just interested in, you know, my experiences and how it went for me yeah. in, in a very genuine and warm way. So, I mean, it was, it's been really honestly tremendous. Yeah. Very nice. Um, and the process of obtaining religious accommodations, I know you mentioned earlier, you spoke to head of HR mm-hmm. about a few things. Mm-hmm. But is that how the process works generally? Do you just go to speak to the head of HR, or how's the religious accommodation process? It was very, it was very straightforward. And, and yeah. again, I, I'll, I'll, I will always return to you know my consciousness of the privilege because it's just like I have the the confidence of the white man to ask for something. <laughs> like when I need something, I'm like, oh, I'll just go I'll and just talk ask. to a senior person <laughs> at my company. I'll just say, this is something I need, with right. the full expectation that that need will be met, mm-hmm. or that they will you know give ground. Mm-hmm. to fulfill that need. Yeah. Which I don't think is something that a lot of people experience. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you've mentioned your name quite mm-hmm. a bit, Sean Robertson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so like you said, when some Muslims do revert to Islam, mm-hmm. they, they choose a Muslim sounding name. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to know what is it? What is the reason why you said you decided to keep the name the way it was? Yeah. So, so when I, when I was about to revert, there was, you know, we had conversation about it. It wasn't, but I mean, like all the things, all the other aspects of faith that are the, the obligations and the requirements and your duties to God, the name never, not never, my, my understanding is that the name didn't seem like something like that. And so I guess there wasn't a driving force to change. 
uh, we did talk about it and we were like, oh, what would you change it to if you were going to change it? Yeah. And, you know, that, that was fun. I, I think, and, and again, N of one, me, uh, I don't know many other converts. So, I mean, I don't understand deep, I don't have a, a deep experience with how people have gone through that decision-making process. The limited understanding I do, I do have, you know, an, an example is um, the man who was formerly Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali. And I, and I think that um, my understanding is that when people choose their Muslim name, they are, you know, they are, the old person is gone and it is, it is the new person and it is your true name. And I guess I, I don't know why I don't, I, I didn't feel as if the name that I still have was not my true name. And, and I think that like, and, and I'm, I might be rationalizing as possible. Right. But I think that the, because of the values that I, that I have grown up with and the values that clearly aligned in, in the new faith, how aligned they are, I didn't feel like there was a, you know, I, I didn't, I have changed parts of my life. Mm -hmm. There's no mistaking, mm -hmm. but I don't think that who I think I am and what I think I'm supposed to be doing with my time and with my energy and with, you know, with the force that I have in my life has changed. And I have like, you know, destroyed my old self. I think that I have been completed. Absolutely. And so I, I mean, I, again, might be rationalizing, but there hasn't been that, like I must destroy that old identity and assume a new right. one, Fair. you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so generally speaking, what role do you think an organization plays in either keeping people covered mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. encouraging uncovering? I, I think that the organization has almost the most important role outside of the family and the friends mm -hmm. because, you know, no matter what organization you are, you'll always have the same family and, and hopefully the same friends. Your friends will never leave you. Um, but I think the organization, you go and you spend, you know, five eight, 10, 12 hours with those people. Yeah. And so that's, that's the place where you go and, and you're there five out of seven days for people who are employed full time. Of course, some people have precarious labor. Um, but you know, it's, it's this place where you spend a majority of your waking time. And so the people that you spend that time with and the way that they treat you and what they, you know, what the, the boundaries they place on you or kind of the environment and the structure that they allow you to operate within are very, very important, not just in the amount of time, but in how it affects you through your life. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, if, if I were, if I had the misfortune of being in an organization that was, you know, not welcoming or was very homogenous and not interested in, you know, the power of diversity and in, of including diverse persons and empowering them to be who they are, mm -hmm. I think that would be, you know, that would be not just a tremendous oversight and failure of that company, yeah. but it would be very difficult personally to to have this aspect of, of my identity that I cannot perform or cannot actually uh, fully actualize. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, you know, people saying, uh, what's the word that's that's always, I mean, there's, there's this big buzzword uh, on social media and on professional media around, um, you know, transparency and around authenticity that's that that is it and yep. people are like oh you need to be able to bring your authentic self to work yeah and but i think that behind that buzzword there is that element of truth that if people cannot be who they actually are mm -hmm. that they are but the aspect of having to always think about hiding something about yourself means that you cannot fully focus on what your goals are whether it's your like a direct task that you're doing or you know mm -hmm. the goals for this year or my company's goals and meeting those goals mm -hmm. and like executing our vision i think that a company is doing a disservice both to its not only to its employees but specifically to itself mm -hmm. by not allowing 
its employees to be authentic in who they are and by and by practicing and actualizing their identities mm -hmm. because it sucks that energy out of them of having to always be thinking about it and thinking about something else than actually just being who they are and doing what they need to do. Yeah, absolutely. I think you've highlighted a very important thing about bringing your whole selves to work and mm -hmm. how an organization can can put that into place. And also the stories you've shared so far. I, I really hope that your stories help people who are considering uncovering about their religion and being open about it. Mm -hmm. um, they're able to, you know, bring that up mm -hmm. and share it with their colleagues and friends as well. Me too. All right. Well, thank you so much, Sean, for your time. It's, it's, been, a it's been a pleasure to have you and learn about your story. And uh, like I said, I hope it inspires people listening. So Me too. thank you for thank being you here. Thank you so much for the time. This podcast is brought to you by the Institute for Gender and the Economy at the University of Toronto's Rotman School of Management. To listen to our other limited series podcasts, check out the Gate Audio channel on Apple Podcasts or the Gate Audio playlist on Spotify. For additional myth-busting research and game-changing guidance, please visit gendereconomy.org. And thanks for listening.